Welcome to GVN Interview. On today's show, we welcome talented actor, producer, and now podcast host, Michael Nathanson. On Michael's new podcast, Playing Dead, he will focus on the iconic deaths of characters on both film and television. Speaking to the actors who brought those roles to life, and what went into their now famous deaths. Now, here's your host, Martin Sexton. Welcome to this special edition of GVN Interview. I am your host, Martin, and today we have the privilege of talking to talented actor, writer, producer, and now podcast host, Michael Nathanson. Michael has been working in film and television since 2013 with roles in The Wolf of Wall Street, as well as reoccurring roles in television with The Nick and Marvel's The Punisher. Currently, though, Michael is working on a new podcast called Playing Dead in conjunction with Lionsgate Sound. Playing Dead is all about the iconic and sometimes gruesome deaths that have captured audiences' imaginations in movies and on television. On the show, Michael will sit down and talk to the actors and those behind the scenes that created these iconic moments that fans are still talking about, with the premiere episode coming November 29th. So let's welcome Michael Nathanson to GBN Interview. Thanks for having sharing a little bit of your time there, Michael. How are we doing this fine Monday morning? Oh, it's good. It's good. I'm... Uh... We're talking to uh, each other. I'm on location in New York. I'm based in Los Angeles, but uh, braving the cold weather here to uh, shoot a TV show. So uh, it's what you got to uh, do. All right. Very good. Okay. Uh, so before we get into all things dead or playing dead for that matter, yeah. uh, and since this is our first opportunity to talk to you, I want you to talk to you a bit about your background. Uh, when did you first consider getting into acting and was there any either performers or films that inspired you to make you think that yeah, I can do that? Oh my gosh. Well, I, I, I'd say the acting bug hit me pretty early when I was a kid. I was always performing for my family and for all of my friends. And I was always getting thrown out of class for making jokes and disrupt being extremely disruptive. And I was like, oh, maybe I can get paid for that someday. Um, but yeah, I went to, um, I did a bunch of high, uh, high school theater and then went to college to do other stuff and then kind of found it again in college very early on and realized it was sort of where I meant to be, was meant to be. And um, yeah, I I was always a lifelong fan of, uh, of the cinema, even from when I was a super, super young kid. You know, the first movie I think I ever saw in the movie theaters was Return of the Jedi. And I saw it like maybe 17 times the year it came out. And I think Star Wars and sort of that whole 80s and 90s sort of geek era of uh, film and TV really, had an indelible, indelible impact on me and kind of influenced me for sure throughout all of my work. But I'm also, I was a huge fan of, um, as I got older, 70s cinema and all the sort of early auteurs and, and then became a big Tarantino fan and all that kind of stuff. So, but yeah, it's um, being in the world of Marvel and being in the world of the Comic-Cons and that whole kind of place that I, I tend to uh, drift in and out of is definitely something that feels like it's totally connected to my childhood and all of the things that I loved back then. Okay. So when you first started into acting, did you uh, think, okay, I'm just going to be a film actor or a television actor? Or were you more like, you want to hire me? I'm, hey, I'm your guy. Yeah. I mean, I went to, uh, I went to theater school. I went to Northwestern in Chicago and, and trained for four years um, and definitely was a big, big theater actor. Uh, did a ton of theater in New York uh, before I ever appeared on screen. And um for me, that was really the basis of everything that I've ever done on screen is like that training and being on stage and having those experiences really sort of laid the groundwork for me to 
to get, I think, these bigger sort of more high profile roles on, on film and TV. And, and uh, you know, I, I, it's important. It's uh, I would say, you know, for any actor, um, some kind of training, some kind of training ground, especially in theater is uh, super important. Excellent. Okay, so I noticed as I was doing a little bit of research into you that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that you also did, you know, as a side job, a little bit of time as a bartender, which uh, which is totally huh. the iconic, which is kind of the iconic uh, side job for actors uh, as they're trying to you know hustle jobs. Uh, during that uh, little bit of time, do you think you felt like it, you get reabsorbed anything from you know talking to different people and things that might have helped you with your acting? That I never wanted to be a bartender again. Uh, that's what I absorbed. <laughs> Um, I mean, I would say, you know, yeah, as an actor, I've done all, all, I, you know, I did a whole bunch of other day jobs, uh, earlier in my career, in my twenties, you know, I, I was, um, I was a jimboree teacher, you know, for, uh, play, you know, play spaces for little kids. And, um, I was bartender. I was a waiter. I mean, I was a temp. I did so many different things. And I mean, I think as an actor, and this sounds probably trite and people have heard this a million times before, but I think life experience is always important. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to get training and one thing to read a bunch of plays, one thing to do a bunch of plays and do a bunch of acting. But I think, you know, if you don't understand the real world and the people around you that you exist with, you know, you have to study human behavior and you sort of can't avoid it. And I think that it's um, it's those experiences. I think anything outside of acting probably formed me more as an actor than any acting I ever did, for sure. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, I, of course, I had mentioned The Punisher in my opening, and needless to say that the show is a huge fan favorite with uh, Geek Vibes. And, of course, our head writer, who is in love with John Berenthal, just was crushed when the, when the series was Yeah, we're all canceled. in love with John Berenthal, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you played Agent Sam Stein on the first season of the show. How did that role come about, and were you familiar with the character of The Punisher going in? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had read some of the comics growing up, and... Um, of course, I knew, yeah, of course, you know, being a Marvel fan and being kind of a geek, I knew the Punisher and all that stuff. But um, I actually, uh, initially, I went in to play, uh, to audition for, see, at the time, they were still, all the Marvel shows were under uh, strict NDAs, and they all had code names. So no one could figure out what was being made. And I, I think ours was called Crime. That was the sort of pseudonym we were working under. And when I got the audition, I wasn't supposed to know it was the Punisher. But the cast director was kind of like, you can kind of tell what this is, right? And I was like, yeah, I, I get it. And initially I had, they give you a set of dummy sides, which are, you know, uh, a scene written in the style of whatever you're auditioning for, but it's not actually from the script. So, because they don't want any of the actual script out there and, and leaking. So the first character I went in for was actually uh, Micro. And I recognized it because I could tell the dynamic between the two characters, what they were talking about. I was like, this is an audition for Micro isn't it? And they're like, mm, maybe it is, maybe it is. And um, I think initially they were looking for a certain kind of micro. And I think I was the kind they were looking for. And then they adjusted the idea of the character a little bit because they also introduced this new character, obviously micros from the, from the comics. They introduced this new character of Sam Stein. And I was like, wait, there's another geeky Jewish guy that you're introducing. Right. And the thing and um but again like i think what they did with micro was uh, very different from the comics i think sam stein is actually more in line with the micro that people remember from the comics so i think he was a bit of an homage to the original micro and also you know added the right sort of comic tone to offset some of the you know horrific violence but um yeah it was an audition that just you know after i after i went in for the for micro i didn't 
I didn't hear anything. And then the cast director called and was like, well, they've decided to go a different way with that character, but there happens to be this other character. And so again, got a new set of dummy sides, learned it, came in and um, yeah, I got hired and it was, uh, it was crazy. I couldn't tell anybody for like two months what I was doing. I was like very, very, uh, it was very strict uh, on the DL. And then, um, but yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was like a dream come true for someone like me, like a lifelong geek. It was like, oh my God. Okay, so and, and of course that's kind of Marvel about the whole you know don't tell anybody anything. Uh, so did you have any competition for the role, or did you just kill it, so to speak, from the start? I love that. I'm going to use that for my podcast. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's hard for me to tell you, you know, who uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm sh there were certainly other people up for it or auditioning for it, but I do know that once they saw my tape, they felt like I was the guy, and um, I think I was the first person cast actually besides John Bernthal, of course, I'm pretty sure I was the first person cast. Um, and so that's why I think I waited so long because they were looking for someone to match with me. Um, and then they found Amber to play Madani. And, um, but yeah, I, I felt pretty good about it. I felt pretty good about it. I still left the audition thinking like any actor does, Oh, I'm not going to get that. Cause you know, the law of averages is, you know, you go out for a hundred auditions and you get one. So, um, and I was like, Oh my God, what a, what a trip this would be to be an in the MCU, you know, an official member of the MCU and all this kind of jazz and uh, never in my wildest dreams that I think that would happen. Although, you know, you, you work hard enough and you persevere, it, it can come. Okay. This, this is kind of going to be leading to, into your podcast, but just yeah. because I'm not familiar with how that kind of thing works. Okay. So you, you, you know, you got the job, you're part of a recurring cash. You think, great. This is great. You told, and I'm not sure if they tell you, you know, like send you individual scripts for each one, or they just give you a whole bunch of them. You find out you're getting your character is getting killed off. So how do you how do you internally deal with that? You say, okay, I got this great job, and now I don't. Yeah, I actually knew I was going to die uh, <laughs> before I even got the job. Um, so it wasn't something that came as a surprise. It was something I was I was bummed out about, you know, because they contract <laughs> you for a certain amount of episodes and. They were basically like, you know, you can see by the amount of episodes you're contracted by and also and also wink, wink, it's called the Punisher. So, you know, <laughs> there's going to be basically it was like very few survivors at the end of the first season. I think there were only three actors from the first season that survived, you know, who went into season two. So um, I yeah, knowing that you were uh, what I tried to do was I tried to not think about it, um, act as if. I didn't know, um, <laughs> it was funny. I did not tell my on-screen partner um, about it because on purpose, because I didn't want her to think about my death and anticipate my death. I wanted it to come as a shock. And it was a shock, I think, for the audience. And m m more times than not, if I get stopped in the street or at my conventions or wherever, people are like, oh my God, I, could, you know, I can't believe they killed you off. I was so shocked and I was screaming at the television or I was crying and I was like, and you know that's great. You know this when you when you play a character when you build up a likability. I think for a character when people enjoy you and and they take you out like that. You know it shows the sh it gives the show a lot of stakes. And I think that that makes it something more than just your sort of everyday kind of fluffy either superhero show or you know the Punisher is gritty and you know it's you're not dealing with a bunch of people with superpowers. You're dealing with you know real individuals, people who are superheroes in their own way you know stein was a, a, a certain kind of superhero you know the way that the agents of shield are certain kinds of superheroes it's a different you know there has to be the the infrastructure behind the superhero to make it all work but um yeah the death thing is just a very strange thing when you know you're gonna die 
it's it's just something where you have to kind of like I think what it did was it 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 forced me to just enjoy every single second that I was there and soak it up and and really just you know uh live out that sort of little boy fantasy of being part of it um but it's uh you know I definitely had I, I and I and I didn't get um they don't give you the the episodes in advance um generally speaking you might get one episode script in advance so it's not like I knew exactly how I was going to die or who was going to kill me I had an idea but um you know and that was good too you don't want to know too much because you want to be able to play a certain kind of reality all right okay so like I said so this is all leading up to your new podcast playing dead uh uh so did you come up with the concept for this and uh how did uh how did you uh kind of piece it together of what you wanted to do there yeah you know I did I was um one of the things I was thinking about as my time in the Punisher was ending was that how can I stay in the MCU? What's a way to continue my my journey through this and, and be involved in this world? Because I love the Comic-Con world, the geek world so much, and it's par part of who I am. And uh, everybody at Marvel was like, and Netflix were like, oh my gosh, like we wish we could keep you around because you're like, you're like the biggest fan we've ever had of an actor who's come in. Like you always come in so excited and enjoy, you know, enjoying every, and I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, this is like a, a fantasy being being um, played out for me. And so I was thinking, what's a, what would be a cool way? And honestly, the idea just sort of popped into my head one day while I was back, while I was on set. And uh, I talked to Amber who played Dina Madani on the show. And she was like, that's a really good idea. You should think about that. And I was like, I think I could do it as a podcast. And originally I was going to do something with it with Marvel. And then I ended up pitching it as a, I changed kind of the IP on it and was pitching it as sort of a TV show. And couldn't really figure out a, a, the best way to do it. And I kept thinking to myself, I really think at the end of the day, a podcast is like the way to go with this. But what happened was we, uh, my family and I did a big move from New York to LA and then right before COVID. And then of course COVID. And then during that time, I sort of, you know, as we all did, had a lot of time in our hands sitting at home and uh, thinking about, you know, <laughs> what our lives were like. And, and, you know, you have, you, you have a lot of time to think and create, you know, new stuff. And so I, I um, started sort of bringing it back into the forefront of my creative life. Well, I like to find a way to do this and um, ended up pitching it to Lionsgate and the people they're working with. Um, they were starting this new platform and they really dug it. They wanted to get into this, you know, Lionsgate has an amazing catalog of geek right. movies and TV stuff too. And I think, um, yeah, they they really they were really supportive and excited about it, and we partnered up, and Playing Dead was born, officially Excellent. born. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so just this is just a side note though. You know, I noticed on the Lionsgate Sound uh, preview page for Playing Dead, there was a blurb that said a celebration of geekdom, which automatically made you like part of us. For that kind of thing but then in your trailer you mentioned artax from neverending story i said oh man he's he might as well just be an actual member of uh, geeks Five nation because uh uh that kind of stuff we we just eat up uh okay so i just get that out there uh okay so yeah no I, well, listen i will tell you uh there is quite a quite a lot of talk about artax and i'm not going to spoil anything but uh some people who know a lot about artax are going to be on that podcast talking about it so Oh, excellent. Okay, so uh, so yeah, the opportunity to hear from the you know the performers and those behind the scenes for some of these uh, different scenes. Uh, how did you decide which ones you wanted to cover first, as far as which deaths that you, that you wanted to focus? I know. On? It, yeah, I was sort of like a kid in a candy store in the beginning of this whole process because I was like looking at the pantheon of great deaths, both in movies and television, and I thought, okay, 
first let's start with movies. Let's put TV aside. Maybe that's a season two, but I needed to start sort of whittling down the genres, the, the, the scope of it, because you could go back to the beginning of film and you know, the 1930s, 20s, whatever, and think about great deaths in, in old movies and stuff. So, so where, where am I actually um, going to start? And I felt like because this was so inspired by my own love of, of geekdom and my experience being in a Marvel show. And I, and the whole idea was, well, I died in a Marvel show. I might as well interview other people who died in sort of similarly iconic sci-fi superhero style stuff. So I kind of whittled it down to that genre. And then I thought, well, of course, I'd like to start with, you know, folks in my own show, but I also wanted to explore some of my favorite movies, actors from some of my favorite movies growing up. And um, yeah, I, again, I don't want to do any, I don't want to spoil too many guests or ideas because obviously we're going to be releasing it um, week to week. But um, there is a long list of people and a long list of movies that I wanted to cover. And I was very fortunate to cover a great many of them and talk to a great many of those folks. But man, there is a list about 10 pages long of guests I still want to have. So, I mean, you could do this show till you're dead, pretty much. <laughs> still not cover everybody. And then if you take the TV characters, right, from however long ago to today, especially in the last 20 years of television, 20, 25 years of television, man, you could just, you could do a whole other thing. So hopefully in the future, we'll be, we'll be hitting some, some more of those. One second. And that's what, you know, I pretty much thought and said, you're right, this thing could have really long legs because there is a... Hey, I'm no idiot. Come on. I, I, you know, as an actor, you want to work as long as possible. I want an idea that's not going to be one and done. Right. Okay. So when it comes time to, you know, came in to bring in the actors and such to talk about it, did you, did, were they all on board right from the get go? Or did you have to do some smoothing to get them to come on? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I definitely tapped a lot of friends of mine. Um, so I definitely have some, some fun conversations with, uh, with buddies who have, you know, been in a bunch of big stuff and, and got to have some iconic deaths. And then they were kind enough to reach out to other friends of theirs. Um, we worked with a couple of casting directors to reach out, publicists, a um, couple of actors. I, man I managed to just shoot them a message on Twitter and they responded and thought it was cool. And, you know, sometimes you were able to sidestep all the gatekeepers and, and go right to them. Um, I think because, because I am someone who was an actor from that world and had that experience, I think certain people were more willing to talk to me, but again, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to pin down people's schedules. And I think, um, you know, I think once this season comes out and people are excited about it, um, I think it, you know, every, the more exposure it gets, the more high profile the guests could get because they'll say, oh, well, oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. You know, it's sort of proof of concept when it comes to these kinds of things. So you gotta, you gotta pull out all the favors you can to, to get, to get folks to, to agree. Okay, so and I'm not again not trying to give too much away, but uh, in your initial discussions, <clears throat> excuse me, with actors and you know about their roles and their characters, have you learned anything that kind of surprised you about either what went into it or you know just something that you didn't realize at that time? Yeah, um, and again, no spoiler alert. Not I mean right. no spoilers here, but um, definitely I got to uh, talk to some really cool people who are either working behind the scenes or in front of the camera on many movies that you probably love. And there were some stories that totally took me by surprise and little anecdotes. And, um, you know, a lot of this stuff appears in other interviews and online or people have written a book or people have done a documentary. But when you, when you really sit down one-on-one -on -one and have a, a long, you know, personal conversation, 
um, recollections that start to come out. And yeah, there are quite a few things that that about the making of some of these movies, I had no idea what went on and some of the dynamics behind the scenes between the creators, some of the, you know, there, there were great stories about Jim Henson, George Lucas, like any of these folks, like they, from the people who knew them really well, worked with them. And um, it, it was a trip. Yeah. Lots of, lots of fun little tidbits, not just, not just a, I like to say each episode is almost a therapy session for both of us. But um, in addition, you you definitely will will, will get a lot of, um, I think there's a lot of cool details and, and, a, and another level of knowledge that, that people didn't have before. I see. And uh, that's the one thing about, okay, so we talked about this a little bit, but, you know, do you have like in your head, like a holy grail of either films or television that you would love to talk about if, if it's possible to corral whoever it is that we're talking about? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, I think if we were going to do a TV version, of course, I'd want to do any Sopranos cast member that's still alive. Um, uh, Breaking Bad, for sure. Love to get Brian Cranston uh, on to talk about that. Um, Gene Carlo Esposito. Um, I think for you know for film, obviously, you know we we wanted to talk to Mark Hamill to discuss the death of Luke Skywalker in uh, Last Jedi, but. Um, that's a that's a hard guess. Um, he and I have corresponded on Twitter before, and he's been he's been nice and fun in me in the past. We've had some fun exchanges, but that was somebody who we uh, we we fought to get, and it was hard. And I think we just couldn't figure out how to how to make it work. So that's somebody. If he's if he's listening, uh, put that in. I put that in the ether. Um, but I will tell you, I got to talk to so many people that I, I I basically put together a long wish list, and a lot of those people were filled on that wish list. So I'm very grateful, but. No, there's definitely a handful of people out there who I would, um, I'd love to, uh, you know, crossing fingers, we get another season. Uh, I, I get to, uh, I'd love to do a Ghostbusters episode. That was something we didn't have a chance to do. Um, we had plans to reach out to um, Jason Reitman and to talk about Harold Ramis and, you know, how they were handling the whole death of Egon and in Afterlife. And um, right around that time, we were sort of reaching out and trying to figure it out. Uh, Ivan Reitman passed away and I think it just that was just uh it was a, such a, a bad you know terrible situation that I didn't want to push that issue but I'm hoping that you know I'd love to I'd love to talk to those guys about what they did because I just thought that was a beautiful send-off for that character and for that actor so like I said my problem is because I'm at the age where some of the scenes and characters that I would love for you to talk about it's no longer possible because the actors are no longer alive. Uh, you know, like in the Green Mile, uh, Michael Clark Duncan and Michael Jeter, those were ones I would love for you uh, to get some inside information and how that thing went about. Because unfortunately, got to record not. these. I know we got to record these seasons fast. We got to get them in before. I got to. I got to make a list of anyone who's over the age of whatever or who is sick, and I, I got to get them in fast. I mean that. But you know what? It's ironic in a way, and it's part of the whole, you know, cycle of 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 leaving your mark on the world as an actor, as a, as a, you know, in these iconic roles. And, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it reminds you of the mortality of all of this stuff, of all of us. Yeah. I say, and it's funny, like when I go into comic cons and things or like say, when I get an opportunity to, to uh, talk to William Shatner, I got to talk to that man as quick as I can, because you know, he's, he's getting up there, he's but, getting he's, up there. but yeah. uh, I, he's probably going to outlive me. So it doesn't, <laughs> okay. So funny, uh, doing, we're doing a, we're doing a big launch event for the uh, podcast at LA comic-con on December 4th. Uh, we're going to be doing a big live show on the main stage. And uh, I do believe William Shatner is going to be up there on a panel right before me. So it's the 
first time I can ever say William Shatner opened for me <laughs> a performance, but uh, I actually would love to have him on, you know, obviously to talk about Kirk, but that's it. That's another yeah. white whale. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, well, I say he stays busy. You know, he, you might be able to get him. Okay, so it's pretty much uh, proven that you've got plenty of subject matter for the show, but uh, how long do you think uh, uh, Playing Dead will go? You mean how, how long, how many seasons? Or how yes, long? how many seasons, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, I'll tell you what, if it's successful, and I would love to do it as long as I can. Um, I, I'm someone who loves conversation. I love to tell stories. I love to hear stories. Um and I'm a fan, you know, at, at heart, this is like, it's sort of like my own personal Comic-Con line, you know, right. instead of going to a Comic-Con and standing in line waiting for an autograph, I get to hang out with these people for a couple hours and have these really intimate, awesome conversations. And and so many of them are, like I said, they're icons of my childhood and, and to have these like in-depth conversations are just amazing. And like I, you know, there's hundreds of others, at least I would love to talk to. So I don't know. I guess in I guess I'll, I'll get through if I get through all the people I want to talk to. It should it should take me about ten years. <laughs> well, all right then. Well, I think uh, of course I think the energy that you know the enthusiasm you have kind of shows. I think it's going to it's going to play very well uh, on the podcast. Thank you. Okay. So, yes, I I can't believe that it won't. Okay, so we're we're looking forward to listening to Playing Dead, uh, and I appreciate your time today, Michael. But before I set you free, when can find uh, fans find the first installment of Playing Dead and can I said we've kind of talked about this, so I imagine you can't do it. But can you give us just kind of an idea, like say for the first show or two, what which characters they might see? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I I haven't had a conversation with all the PR folks about like what I can and can't say. I'm I'm pretty convinced I'm not allowed to say you know who the guests are and yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Let's just say it will be. It's important to start at the beginning, and what that means for me is where did my journey start and maybe those part those who are a part of that journey might be at the start of this journey if that makes any sense um so and in terms of where i got this idea from so it starts with a pretty cool episode and um we're we're uh, the, the first episode will be airing very soon it's um it it, it releases uh november 29th and it, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts it's already up on every single platform. You can find it on Spotify, iHeart, Apple. Um, we have a trailer up you can listen to. Yep. Uh, you can start rating the podcast if you want, even though <laughs> you know, a friend of mine said, oh, I gave you five stars. And I'm like, sure, why don't you listen to the podcast? And he's like, oh, but I like you. I'm like, okay. So if you like <laughs> me, give it five stars. Um, yeah, but you can hear the trailer right now. And then the first episode drops November 29th. Uh, December 4th, I will be at LA Comic-Con on the main stage around... 12 p.m. Uh, following William Shatner, mm -hmm. and I'll be doing a live uh, special episode interview that will be taped, that will be released as a bonus episode uh, with a very special mystery guest, um, someone I'm very, very excited to talk to. Um, definitely was on my uh, my hit list, and uh, we managed to get him, and he was excited to do it. So that's going to be a really cool. I can't say who it is yet until LA Comic-Con decides they want to say it. But um, if you go to the LA Comic-Con website, um, information on my show should be up there soon. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, and then it'll be released every week um, for as long as the run goes. And then, you know, let the chips fall and let's hopefully get as many listeners as possible and, and you know, spreading the word about it. 
All right. Well, we can certainly uh, count on us for doing that. And again, I do appreciate it, Michael, and uh, hopefully talk to you again down the line. Absolutely. Oh, and I, I should probably tell everyone that they can come follow me on all of my social channels. I know I'm supposed to say that, right? Yep. Michael underscore Nathanson, I think is my uh, Instagram. <clears throat> you can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on wherever you want to find me. Um, but I'm all, over, I'm all over that. And uh, usually I answer as many DMs as uh, I possibly can. I think it's fun to, you know, reach out and talk to other fans like me, because at the end of the day, that's what, that's what I am. I'm a fan. I'm, you're a fan and you're doing right. this show. I'm a fan. I'm doing my show. Sure. I've been in stuff too, but um, you know, this is, this world is in my blood. So I can't wait to, to, to start this journey with the podcast. It's going to be awesome. Uh, all right. We, we appreciate it. Excited. And we'll talk to you again real soon. All right. Be well. Thank you for listening to GVN Interviews. GVN Interviews is a production of Geek Vibes Nation.